In the wide world of venture capital, investors are always looking for startups where if they win, they can win big. That's why they love companies that can grow really quickly, like Dropbox, Airbnb, and Slack. When a tech company gets a flood of new customers, mostly they just have to spin up a new server. But today's founder, Jacqueline Fu, is selling actual things. Her company makes real bras in a very real factory. There's no tech except for the fact that you can buy her stuff on the internet. So the question is, how is she going to convince investors that her bra business will be big bucks? From Gimlet, this is The Pitch. I'm Josh Muccio. Let's meet the investors. I'm Maya Bittner. Maya is making her debut appearance on the show. She's the founder of two financial tech companies, and she sold them both. Now she's out scouting startups for Sequoia, one of the biggest VC firms in Silicon Valley. I'm Elizabeth Yin. Elizabeth is a managing partner at Hustle Fund, and so far, she's invested $30 million in over 250 startups. One example, a company called NerdWallet. I'm Sheil Manat. Sheil has sold three startups for over $50 million. Now he's an angel invested in several companies worth billions today. I'm Charles Hudson. Charles started Precursor Ventures, where he's invested $45 million in over 100 startups to date. The pitch for Pepper is coming up in just a moment. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hi, I'm Jacqueline. Hey, Sheil. Sheil, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Jacqueline walks into the room with a plain brown box. She's confident, though, like she knows she can make the investors love what's inside. I'm Jacqueline. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Pepper. Who in here has ever felt self-conscious about any part of their body? Yeah. I have. Okay, so it sounds like everyone in this room. Well, 91% of women who wear small cup sizes say at one point they wish their bust was bigger. And this is because we live in a world where, at a young age, girls already feel the pressure to develop during puberty. In middle school, they're teased for being flat. As an adult, they walk into the biggest retailer of bras in the mall and are humiliated when a sales associate gives them a pusher bra to look two sizes bigger. And bras never seem to fit. These women deal with awkward cup gaps from not being able to fill in the cups all the way because they're too deep, or they have to deal with unnatural, bulky push-up padding. This is my experience and the experience of so many other women that we found and is what inspired us to create Pepper. And it's not as simple as just whipping up a bra in a smaller cup size. Jacqueline says you have to reimagine the bra from the underwire up. We make bras that finally fit and celebrate women with small cup sizes. Turns out this is a $5.1 billion industry that's anything but small. Since we went live, our Kickstarter campaign was 100% funded in the first 10 hours. Since our official launch last year, we've already grown 8x, and this year we're making $3 million in revenue run rate. I'm here today Damn. to raise $1.5 million to grow our community and expand even faster with more products. Congrats. Great. That's amazing. Congrats. That's Thank great. You. Do you know what the terms of the round are? Yes. So we're doing a $9 million cap. I don't know if it's a good time to look at the box or yeah, what do you have? Yeah, let me show this to you. 
I have a box of, I think, three bras. Looks like a pretty normal bra. It's got a wire frame, some pretty good padding with lace. What is it about your bras that, that makes them fit better? Yes. Because I'm like looking at it and it's like not immediately obvious to me. How. So the number one pain point we were solving for is cup gap. Mm-hmm. And when we looked at why this was, traditional bra companies designed for 36C. That is what they think the industry standard is. So the first thing we had to do was develop our own cup molds. We use a cup mold that's shallower in depth, so it's easier to fill for these women. Um, so for these bras that you see here, we have three styles right now. Mm-hmm. And what makes them special is that you'll notice there is a demi cup and a layer of mesh that goes on top. So this kind of has the effect of the perfect pair of yoga pants. It's able to lift from the bottom up, really scooping you up in a natural way so you get really nice lift, even without that bulky push-up padding. I you know, I feel like I'm also in this this demographic, um, but I usually don't wear a bra, kind of because, right? It's yeah. like- <laughs> I very in, often go braless. <laughs> that's, yeah, right. Like, that's the thing is like, I feel like I don't really need like support or whatever. And so what do you sell these for? Um, it ranges from 48 to 54. And what are your margins of the product? 71%. And this includes the end fulfillment to the customer. Got it. So Jacqueline is selling a better bra for small-chested women that costs around 50 bucks. Pretty simple. Now, direct-to-consumer brands like this normally grow by throwing up ads on Facebook, using filters for age, gender, location, a person's interests. But none of those things tell you what someone's bra size is, which makes the investors wonder, How do you find your customer? So we have a few theories about who those segments are. So we know that bra size and bust size has a lot to do with genetics. For example, yeah. I'm Asian American. Yeah. A lot of women similar to me have very similar bust size. So we'll target that way. And we'll feature Asian American models, for example. Women who finish breastfeeding tell us they used to be a C cup. Now they're a double A cup. And they found our bras because they were looking for something that now fits their body as it is today. Um, another community that we recently just discovered who loves our products are transgender women. So during the transitioning process, mm, yeah, you know, their sense. bodies are also changing really quickly and they're trying to find a brand that not only fits them, but speaks directly to them. And so if you are using paid acquisition, what does that look like right now? So we're doing Facebook ads and Instagram ads. We're also diving into Google AdWords right now, um, which has been amazing because women are constantly searching for a solution mm. to this pain point. What they'll, do they search for? I don't know, what words? Yeah, they'll search for things really specific, like best bras for 34 AA. Okay. Best bras, for, best bras for 38 AA. It's very specific. And because a lot of other companies aren't really focusing on the size range, we're just capturing all that traffic. What about just overall CAC? Yeah, so overall CAC is $25, and our lifetime value is $130. And we expect this lifetime value to go even higher because right now we only have three products. We want to increase that. Okay, so if you plan on raising a tranche of capital to pour into paid acquisition, roughly how much are you thinking that might be or how much would be interesting? Well, out of the 1.5 million, we're thinking about doing um, 1 million that goes towards paid acquisition. Oh, wow. Yeah. And the rest would go towards hiring and inventory. That's great. I feel like there's an opportunity here to kind of like build a whole campaign around like bra sizing is not 
fair and 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 things like that are there and it sounds like that's your mission is to like make it culturally more okay and like help women feel more confident exactly. and things like that are there are there any other things that you're doing to kind of push forward that mission besides just the the product in front of me Yes. So we're doing a lot of fun things to have those type of conversations. For example, in March, it was National Pancake Day. And a lot of our customers mentioned when they're younger, they got teased for having a pancake body. So we renamed oh it God. as <laughs> National <laughs> Flat Chest Day. We completely wow. owned it and embraced it. So anyone who placed an order with us on that day, we sent them $4.65 back, which is exactly how much a short stack of pancakes cost at IHOP. So it went viral in the press. That's our cool. customers loved it. Love and this. it was inexpensive. It was a really cheap way for us to get in front of the media, cut through noise, and it just, again, repositioned us as a brand that's not just making a bra, but we want to have these conversations. The investors sound stoked about Pepper's PR so far, but that's just the start. To make it in the big leagues of venture capital, Jacqueline has to do more than bend minor holidays to her will. She needs to prove that Pepper can be unbeatable. Question for you, for my and Elizabeth more yes. than more than Charles. No offense taken. Like I guess the price point, how do you think about it from a like quality of the product versus the price? Does it feel feels fine to me? Yeah, like I think fine. so there's a do you know lively? Yep. So I think lively bras are probably forty five dollars. Okay. So um, and point. they seem the same quality as these bras, which I think are also yeah. forty five dollars. Is like, that I think the it's same price range standard. as like Victoria's Secret? Um, well, I think Victoria's Secret is probably more expensive, more expensive. but more expensive. they're like, they're also much more, there's like all kinds of bullshit hanging off. Yeah. And yeah, stuff like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but for like a pretty everyday casual bra, this is like in line. I think standard. Standard bras are a good market. Yeah. That's yeah. why you that see way. all these bra companies. It seems like, yeah. All these bra companies. You've got Lively, Adore Me, Third Love. There's a whole bunch of next wave startups that say, Toss out that old underwire. Our bras are made to fit you. Which has our investors wondering why any of those other bra companies wouldn't just make their own line of small bras and blow Pepper out of the water. I don't understand how challenging is it. Like, I still cannot wrap my head around how hard is it to make a new bra for this audience. That's coming up after the break. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. We talk to a lot of entrepreneurs on the show, and one thread that connects them all, they're not just pitching their business, they're pitching themselves. Because small business owners know that their business is more than just a company, it's their whole life. And State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, and they know what it takes. They can help you choose personalized policies to fit your budget. That's the personal touch. That's small business insurance from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome back. It is so easy for these investors to imagine Pepper getting flattened by the competition. Not just the newer companies like Third Love, in reality, she's going up against Hanes and Victoria's Secret, too. Companies that could very easily whip up a bra similar to Pepper and then crush Jacqueline's business. Here's Elizabeth. 
the thing I'm trying to wrap my head around, and, and this is me speaking from the perspective of probably squarely in your target demographic, what what is different about these bras other than the size? For companies like, you know, take Third Love, why is it that they cannot just extend into these cup sizes as well? Yeah, most of these bra companies are already mass audience. They're trying to serve everyone. Um, and if you're trying to serve everyone, there's no way to develop the resources to be able to perfect the fit for all those sizes. For ours, we had to develop each um, size so that it perfectly fits that size versus trying to use one single size and apply that design to every single person. But, but that is exactly, I think, I don't understand how challenging is it? Like, I still cannot, even though I already asked you this, like, I cannot wrap my head around how hard is it to make a new bra well, for I'm, this audience? I'm comparing this to Lively, which yeah. I think is just, they're, they're like not really shaped bras. It's kind of, they're just, they're bralettes. And Third Love is like a custom bra. And their messaging is also like, we're inclusive about everybody's, you know, cup sizes or whatever you want to call it, right? So you have people kind of going after this demographic, not explicitly, but they're in the space. So I've tried yeah. both of those bras yeah. and they don't fit me. Um, so with Third Love, um, I still get the cup gap. They're mm -hmm. still too deep. They're a little pointy on me. Mm -hmm. For Lively, because they're bralettes and they're not shaped, they don't really scoop me up. There's bunching towards the cup. So, you know, even though they say it's for all these different mm -hmm. sizes, it wasn't made for those sizes. Mm -hmm. How big is this subset of the broader bra market? Yeah, we believe it to be a $5.1 billion market. And the way we got to this is the total lingerie market in the U.S. is $16 billion. And um, around 32% of women fall in the BMI that would be applicable to us. I'm just trying to figure out, like, how how big is the, the 5.1 number of the fit? It just feels bigger. And it's, I say this with all knowledge, I'm a man who doesn't wear a bra. That just feels like a larger chunk of the market than I was anticipating you saying. Then if it's that large, I would actually expect significant competition if it's a third of the market to Elizabeth's yeah. point. If it's a smaller chunk that's not as well understood, I think there's an argument to be said that like it's just not worth it to specialize on this if it's not the only thing you do. I mean, I don't know the, the data, but I would believe it. I would totally believe that. I also believe in the market sizing. I mean, let's just take Asian Americans in this country. They're what, sub 20% of 300 million people and you spend 50 to $100 in a bra, like there you go. So... Um, and then I believe there are a lot of upsell opportunities for sure. Like sure. once you get that audience, there are. Um, so I'm not worried about that. I think it's just more of go to market is expensive. E-commerce has costs, although it sounds like your cost structure is actually really good. And then these looming competitors, and I don't understand like, you know, I, I get that they haven't cracked the nut, but if you start to do well, I'm pretty certain They're other people crack. will, will <laughs> yeah. crack the nut. Like, I don't believe this is rocket science. So this is like a first mover hustle advantage, which it sounds like you guys are doing well. So that those are the things I'm thinking about. Yeah, I mean, I, the only way I know how you compete, I mean, because obviously Adore Me, these other folks have tons of cash. The only way you can really compete with them is to just play a different game, which is organic bottoms up community. So I, I like, like, I buy that part. I'm still trying to, in my mind, sort out like, can you get big enough, fast enough, and own the category such that when those people do come, mm -hmm. it's like a futile effort? Right. Everyone's yeah. like, no, no, no. Like, only Pepper does mm -hmm. yep. double the A bras. bras. Like, you well. never get it from right. a dormy. Yeah. You're like, first thought yeah. for mm -hmm. this audience. Yeah. yeah. I think the women investors are convincing Charles that this market is plenty big for venture capital and that Pepper could dominate this market. And now, Charles leans in. Tell me more about 
I mean, you've run this really lean. Tell me more about how you adjust to sort of having more resources and kind of what the plan is for how you'll deploy them. Yes. So with this $1.5 million, it will go towards hiring, product development, and continued growth. And most of it will be focused on growth. So paid acquisition, we know, is going to be a bigger part of the story. So we're spending more resources there. With product development, we want to start developing strapless bra, our version of a push-up bra, even start thinking about swimsuits soon. And then the last part of it is community building and brand marketing. So right now, with those initiatives like National Flat Chest Day, we can do even bigger versions of that with more money. So so we're just waiting for the right resources. How do you sequence how much to bite off? I mean, you're still relatively early in kind of core bra. You've got sports bra, swimwear. How do you think about, how should I think about the sequencing of when you add new things versus sort of doubling and tripling down just on your core product today? The next two years, we'll still be focused on bras. This is the number one pain point of our audience. Um, and the way women shop for bras is they need a bra depending on what they wear on top. So right now we only have the t-shirt bra, essentially. Mm -hmm. We still have so many di different type of bras we haven't um, conquered yet. So there's a lot of opportunity there. And after we um, get the bra categories, when we start thinking about things like swimsuit. Where, where do you think investors can help you most? Yeah, I mean, we're first-time founders, so we're always open to advice from people who've done it before. And from done it before, I mean, have grown DTC businesses to a successful exit or have built really thriving communities because that's really important to us. One area we're also diving into right now is wholesale. So we actually just launched a partnership with Urban Outfitters a few weeks ago. That's been met with really awesome response. They're placing a second purchase order now. So I think there's opportunities to get in front of more women through these retail partnerships, but we want to make sure that we're still maintaining that D2C essence that community-building essence of our brand as well. So I'm going to pass on this opportunity. I think you're super bright. You know what you're doing. And you have seemingly decent unit economics. Um, I just, it's a category I know so little about that I'm just reluctant to to invest in it. So, so for that, I'm going to pass. Thank you so much. I think for me, this is a pass. Personally, kind of passionate about it, but all the things that we've discussed about the competitive landscape, I just anticipate a pretty rough path forward. Thank you for the feedback. So look, here's what I think. Um, I, like you, I could be convinced that the market size is larger than my naive instincts suggest based on what some of my fellow panelists have said. So I'd like to uh, make a small investment of 25K. I obviously have some diligence to do, but um, I'd love to work with you. I, I really value capital efficiency. And um, I also really value people who've picked a niche or a target customer that's clearly defined and easy to identify. And it sounds to me like I really liked your answer about spending the next two years on bras. I think that's your beachhead product. And so mm -hmm. defending that at all costs as a first step, I think it makes a lot of sense. Thank you. I can't wait to work together. I think you answered everything perfectly, and I love the hustle and the scrappiness, of course. You've done a lot with very little. I also think that there is a big opportunity here. The valuation for me is really pricey, to be honest. Like This is not where we come in with Hustle Fund. Um, for that reason, I'm a pass. If you want to do revenue-based financing, that is something we can potentially discuss. Okay, let's just stop for a second. Revenue-based financing. We haven't seen this type of deal on the show before. What Elizabeth is offering Jacqueline is essentially just a flexible loan. 
If Pepper really takes off, she'll pay back the loan quickly. If it grows slowly, she'll pay back the loan more slowly. So what Elizabeth is saying here is that she likes Pepper as a business, and with revenues of $3 million, it seems like a pretty safe bet, but she doesn't see it as a highly scalable growth machine worthy of VC dollars. For that reason, I'm a pass. If you want to do revenue-based financing, that is something we can potentially discuss. I would love to talk more about that. Thank you. So for our next steps, um, why don't I introduce you to our fund manager who runs the revenue-based financing fund, Shayen Lim, and uh, so I, I can do that introduction over email. Perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you. After Jacqueline leaves, the VCs in the room can't wait to talk shop. They're used to putting in venture money, but Elizabeth just changed the game, and they want to know, what is this revenue-based financing thing? I'm curious about this, like how you make the difference between an investment and the revenue-based financing. Like, is it... Are you going to make 20 extra money? Then make an investment, equity investment. If not... Revenue-based financing for this It's totally different. Like, revenue-based financing, like, I don't have to believe this will be a billion-dollar-plus yeah. outcome. I just have to believe, can she pay me back with interest? Exactly. And I, I would take that okay. bet any day. Yeah. She well, yeah, seems like a, she's operating her business well. It's just a better fit. It's like, she can pay you back at, like, a healthy interest rate, but you're not going to 20x. Yeah. Charles thinks the opposite. He thinks Pepper is venture scale. Obviously, Elizabeth doesn't. The question is... What is Jacqueline's vision for her company? That's coming up after the break. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. Small business owners know that it's not just business, it's personal. Your business is your life, and State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, so they know what it takes. They can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. And they live and work in your community. So you're not just getting an insurance plan, you're getting that personal touch. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome back. Jacqueline came into the room with a plain brown box, but she brought a pitch that was far from plain. Charles said he wanted to invest 25K, and Elizabeth's revenue-based financing offer ended up being for 250K. First, Heather asked Jacqueline to reflect on what it was like in the pitch room. Half the investors were female, so that was awesome. But, you know, our business, it's pretty unique. You know, it's a bra company for small-chested women. You don't always get the response of head nods, um, especially when there's a lot of men in the room. Mm. Um, I remember this one instance, one of the male investors got really beat red trying to have a conversation around our business. Um, and his cheeks went bright red. He couldn't say the word chest or breast. And he had to, I think he defaulted to bosom or something like that. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> there are some instances where you know it's not a fit with an investor. But yeah. um, the majority of the time, it's been great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was something that happened in the room that I wanted to ask you about, which was like, initially, Charles was like, um, I'm not sure about the size of this, you know, the size of this market. 
And Elizabeth and Maya were like, oh, yeah, definitely that market's there. And then Charles ended up going in. But what was that like for you? It was great. Um, And I think that's usually what's missing when we don't have female investors in the room. And it was really refreshing to have someone like Elizabeth just say exactly how I've been feeling. Um, So it was great that she shared her viewpoint and no one questioned it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I, I could see how that's totally true. Yeah. That seems like a powerful moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so Charles in the room, he went in for $25,000. Have you talked to him since the pitch? Yeah, I talked to him on the phone, and he's still really excited um, and was just like, how can I best support you? And he was telling me a little bit about how he usually works with his portfolio companies. Uh-huh. And then it, I think it only lasted 15 minutes. And uh-huh. at the end of it, he just said, send over the paperwork and, and super excited to be on board. So Charles put in his VC money. Elizabeth, on the other hand, withheld a traditional VC check and opted instead to offer Jacqueline a different kind of deal, revenue-based financing. Essentially what she's saying, and she said this afterwards when the investors were chatting, um, that she doesn't see Pepper being a venture scale business. What's your response to that? I think we're going to be a fast-growing, really big business. Um, and I think to some VCs, venture scale means it's unicorn or bust. Yeah. And if that is the definition, then I agree, because we also want to be building a very sustainable and profitable business at the same time. So our philosophy is it's not growth at all cost, and that might not be a venture scale type of business because we might be growing a little bit slower. But for us, it's more important to be profitable. Interestingly enough, plenty of other VCs like Jacqueline's approach, and they're handing her money. She set out to raise $1.5 million, and after the show, ended up oversubscribing and raised almost $2 million from investors. But what about that revenue-based financing offer from Elizabeth? Well, Jacqueline told us that she and her co-founder Leah decided not to take the money because they didn't need it. What's the first thing you're going to spend money on? So we just made our first full-time hire, and she started two weeks ago. Uh Um, So we're really excited. And she's our customer experience manager. So it was just Leah and I for the first two years. And now we finally have a third teammate. You Um, get help now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. we can tap into someone else's brain and expertise uh-huh. to accomplish all the things that maybe sometimes we don't have enough time to do. So it's just really cool to think about. Imagine all the more things that we can accomplish now with one additional person when we, us two, already did so much by ourselves. Even though Jacqueline is saying no to alone. Other startup founders have been saying yes to similar deals. Some startup pundits have begun heralding all these new debt options as the beginning of the end for VC. I don't know about that, but it does represent a viable option for founders who don't fit the VC mold. I asked Elizabeth about this, and she says it's not even a matter of loans or venture capital. She thinks that a lot of growing companies could do well with a combination of both. And she has a ton of reasons why. There's a link to her Twitter thread about it in the show notes. But the bottom line, 
stay flexible, friends. There are lots of ways to finance a company, and you don't have to pick just one. The Pitch is hosted by me, Josh Muccio, produced by Heather Rogers and Kareem Maddox. We are edited by Sarah Saracen. Theme music by The Musemaker, original compositions from Breakmaster Cylinder, Peter Leonard, So Wiley, and The Musemaker. We're mixed by Enoch Kim. Lisa Muccio coordinated the recording of this pitch. And thanks to Brianne Kimmel for introducing us to Pepper. As a reminder, no offer to invest is being made to or solicited from the listening audience on today's show. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with a brand new episode in two weeks. And if you haven't already, take a moment to follow the pitch on Spotify so you don't miss a thing. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.